You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fell to the Nebraska Cornhuskers in a listless effort, 65-51. to 51. Are you trying to be like A game the in Indiana's which the Hoosiers team. showed very little effort and very little energy, similar to the way that I am talking right now. A post-game show befitting the performance of the Hoosiers. So yes, your Indiana Hoosiers fall 66 to 51 in a game that they started with no energy and that they finished with no energy, showing very few spurts of it in between. This game drops Indiana to 12 and five overall, three and four in conference play, uh, and certainly marks the first panic moment of the season. Uh, and we're going to talk about it tonight because there were many, many concerning issues out there on the floor tonight. When you have Bill Raftery at the end of the game, saying they're just toying with them at home against Nebraska, coming off two losses, and they're toying with us. That's not good as we sit here in January, and there is no amount of injuries and whatever else you want to talk about that excuses that. It it explains plenty of other issues this team has, but not that, and we're going to break it all down on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. (laughs) let's start the show with a banner moment shall we the who's your proud banner moment uh which we are philosophically committed to doing every every show and also now contractually obligated to do because we have a sponsor but i will tell you there are some games where it's really hard to find this is one of them because even in you know losses like this sometimes you know a certain guy plays well or there's a particular stretch that is really encouraging there really wasn't that tonight you know the one stretch was, you know, you could say maybe the one stretch in the first half when Romeo got the two, you know, transition opportunities and really pushed it, and it was the first signs of life for IU all night. In the second half, you know, they did come out and actually play pretty well at the start of the second half. The three-pointer by Devontae Green cut it to 35-32, but Nebraska proceeded to be the mature, tough team that they are, and even though they haven't played well on the road, they sure did tonight, and they immediately reversed it. They scored eight straight points, so, you know... This is what tonight was. Even in the banner moment, you can't talk too many positives because you immediately go to a Nebraska run. And that's the kind of night it was. So, you know, small kudos to Indiana for coming out of the gates in the second half and having some energy, doing, you know, a lot of the things that they hadn't done prior to that and cutting it to 35-32. But then it went away and the Hoosiers weren't able to sustain it. And Nebraska ends up just methodically putting the clamps down, and as Bill Raftery said, toying with us in the second half en route to a 15-point win on our home court in a game we really needed to win. This is going to take a little while to sink in. All right, uh, today's Hoosier Proud Banner Moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field at homefieldapparel.com. You will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. And at hoosierproud.com, you'll find great state-of-Indiana-themed apparel, 
while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana, like the Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Home Field Apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with the new year upon us, you should turn back the clock by checking out Home Field's IU Crest sweatshirt featuring an IU Crest design that dates back all the way to the year 1910, and it's printed on a fleece tri-blend crew neck that is incredibly comfortable, the same material of the Bison logo sweatshirt that I've talked about, that I wear often, that I will cuddle up with and cry tears into tonight, I'm sure, once this show is over. Can a brother get some coupons? Yes, of course. Don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. All right, gentlemen, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And uh, let's go over to Andy Bottoms for his bottoms line on this Indiana performance. Uh, It's really hard to think about what to talk about first. I mean, just as you said, it was a really um, unenergetic performance, really, from start to finish. And I think um, that that to me is what, what made the loss so disappointing. I think you could look back on the last two losses before this, the Michigan game, the Maryland game, and and you could kind of try to find the silver lining in either of those games, even though they were both, uh, you know, kind of tough to tough to watch the way those unfolded. But this was a game that really, you know, IU had cut it to three, but almost immediately, you know, Nebraska responded. So you never really felt like IU even had a had a chance. They never really cut the lead down. They couldn't string stops together. Um, after that, Devontae Green three-pointer, Nebraska scored 31 points on the next 23 possessions, so 1.35 points per possession. And again, it was just key long stretches where the defense could not get stops, could not get rebounds, uh, and, and couldn't shut them down. And then on the offensive end of the floor, it, you're basically playing two on five um, at, at this point. Nobody besides Romeo or Juwan scored over the last 13 minutes and 12 seconds uh, after a Clifton Moore um, tip-in. Uh, and I think Devonte hit a three. That three, those were the only points that uh, Justin Smith uh, scored a scored a couple. But um, yeah, I mean, the last 13 minutes, you have two guys that scored. You, you just can't can't play that way. And as you know, the the Fox, uh, you know, they cut into the huddle, and you know, Tim Miles basically said it. He goes, "You know, they're going to Romeo. You know, they're going to Morgan. The usual suspects. You know, focus on those guys and and make somebody else beat you. And it, another game has passed where nobody was able to step up and do that." By the way, I apologize for stating that our record is three and four. It's just that tonight felt like two losses wrapped up in one. But we're only three and three in conference play. So it's better than I thought, apparently. It's a reasonable mistake. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay, let's kick it over to Ryan. Whatever might you have to rant about tonight, Ryan? Uh, Look. I do see the you know on Twitter and in the the chat people are saying oh Archie's not ready for big time college basketball this is all on Archie Miller blah 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 shut up let's slow down uh, with that stuff yeah it, it, look it, it, first of all let me just say games like this happen there's no excuse for it but they do happen I Ar- Archie is not blameless so just give me a second because I'll get to him but this is the problem with Indiana's fan base is every time anything goes wrong, the sky is falling. The world is ending. It's over. There's no bounce back from this. I mean, we saw Tom Crean take a team that got annihilated by an OK Duke team and win a conference championship with it. So one game does not end your season. So stop with this garbage about he's unproven. He's this. He's that. He's the other. Archie Miller is doing a fine job in the macro sense. Okay. Yeah, indulge in, the negative feelings right now with us, but it's not an existential crisis. Exactly. In the micro, there are problems. And tonight, 
you can we we're, we're going to get into it. There's no positives from it. I don't have a single positive from tonight. And usually I'm able to find something where I'm like, hey, you know what? Hey, Clifton Moore looked better tonight. Okay, great. That, that there's my positive for the night. This was a disaster from the get-go. And, and the problem was, and it wasn't just another slow start. There's something else up here. And I don't know if it's these guys are just worn down or what, but the entire game, they looked defeated. Their shoulders were slumped. They had a couple short runs where they did well, and they showed, they proved they're a better team than Nebraska during those runs, where if they actually played with effort, they were way better, and they made huge runs against Nebraska. And then the energy ran out, and they just were shoulder slumped, dragging their feet as they're running, not, I mean, guys would make a nice layup and not even like, like, look excited. It looked like they were at work, not playing a game. And it was a disaster from the jump. And I blame, I, 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 you know, usually we say the team is doing this X, Y, and Z, but Juwan and Romeo look at no Juwan and Romeo right there tonight with the lack of energy and the lack of effort. And I, I blame the coaching staff for not getting these guys ready to play. I blame the players themselves for not picking each other up for not you know, energizing themselves. I blame the crowd that was there because after the first or second little burst they gave them with crowd noise, the second half was dead. It was absolutely dead there. So sometimes when the team's playing poorly, you need to pick them up. Just like sometimes when the rest of the team's playing poorly, and I've said this many times, your stars need to step up. Just like when the team's playing poorly, your coach needs to step up and, and, and figure something out. Archie Miller got out coached. This team got out hustled, got out efforted, got out everything. Nebraska deserved that game from the tip off. Indiana was defeated before it stepped on the court tonight. And that's the issue. It's not what went on during the game, whether it went, you know, the, yeah, they need to find a shooter. They need this. They need that. They need to play better defense. They need it. You know, we can talk. We're, we're going to talk that stuff to death. This team was done before it stepped on the floor tonight. And I, I was talking to somebody who said, you know, sometimes when teams get injured like this and you only have like nine guys taking all the practice reps or even less than that now, because some of the guys who I, or who are injured may not even who are like, playing but not fully all the way uh, back may not even be practicing that much you wear teams down you wear players down and they could just, they look exhausted and and that's not excusable at this point of the season so again the coaches have to figure something out we saw Al Durham leave this game which is just what this team needs is another injury has there been a report on that no he just he wasn't he on the clearly bench. was hurt though he like he came up hobbled in the first half and I didn't see him go back in yeah in the second half he wasn't on the bench uh, at oh, least not at one point. Um, so I, I don't know what the answer is, but this team came out and was not going to win this game from the jump. It didn't matter what they did, what they answered, what they counted. You can talk about zone deep, zone offense. You can talk about this. This team was never going to win this game the way they came out. They just, they weren't. And that's a problem. And that's the biggest problem Indiana's got right now is a, a lack of heart, passion, and effort. It's just not there. I'm going to push back just on the fan thing because I actually thought, especially in the first half and tr second half, the fans tried. Indiana just didn't give them enough sustained play to get into it. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not. Look, there, I'm not. Look, I'm not blaming it on the fans. What I'm saying is that sometimes you need to give extra, and they gave them a little bit in the first half, and the second half was dead. Even when they were making their big run in the second half, it wasn't that loud. It was okay. It was an average game. This team needed an all-star effort from somewhere. And it didn't get it from the fans. I mean, look, is that the fans' fault? No, they had nothing to cheer for. I'm just saying that... It just it, delayed us having to talk about the game, okay? I was trying and, to find another topic. And it's everyone has to step up in a situation like this where things are not going well, and nobody did. Whether it's the fans, whether it's the coaches, whether it's the players, whatever. Nobody stepped up. And uh, I don't know if it's concession stands. Give some people some free food. See if that excites them. I don't know. 
but somebody needs to step up and, and nobody did. I don't think, I don't think you want to give people things that they might want to throw at the court when the play was what it was tonight. I you mean, know? that's fair. Oh boy. I mean, uh, look, I, yeah, I mean, we got to figure out where to start with this because th- this was an all systems failure. Here, here's what I want to talk about because there's only so much that we can diagnose why the team came out flat. Are there, you know, whatever, like, you know, you could speculate all kinds of things. Are there internal issues? Has this team quit on its coach? Like all these things that are absolutely ridiculous to say and speculate about because none of us know, but you see a performance like this and all kinds of crazy things go through your head. So I understand why people are saying that and thinking it, you know, what we can diagnose is what we saw on the court. And here's what I would say, Andy, and I'll, I'll, I'll start, you know, over to you with this. You know, when you're when you're really struggling to get into any sort of rhythm offensively, you know, that can affect you throughout a game. Now, look, that didn't affect Indiana at the beginning. They came out flat. But I thought as Nebraska switched their defenses up and as they, you know, kind of collapsed their man and and took away the ability for Romeo to get into the lane and made it harder on Juwan, and there was no one else to step up and guys weren't even looking at the basket. They just looked so discombobulated offensively. And so they came out without much energy, and they weren't able to, to generate any energy from the offense by getting anything consistent going, by making some shots, by doing anything. And this team's going to have to figure out what it's going to do offensively because, as Ryan said, you've got two guys who can score and are being asked to do everything. And, you know, Zach McRoberts isn't even looking at the basket. Rob Finnessy not looking for a shot. Evan Fitchner got a couple opportunities, wasn't able to make them. You know, on down the line, Devontae Green, you know, made a couple of shots, and he'll, you know, he's happy to look for a shot, but is inconsistent. And Justin Smith wasn't even really looking at the basket either. You know, so teams are just sacking off. What, and I don't know if you have the answer for this, but what does, what should Indiana do? Like, what should Archie Miller do offensively right now when you're kind of dealing with this and teams have obviously figured it out? We're going to see more teams defend Indiana like Nebraska did tonight. Yeah, I thought they really did a good job of the way they played ball screens, really trying to you know, almost trap Romeo off of that and not let him turn the corner. I thought they did a really good job with that and and basically gave, you know, Justin Smith took, I think, the first two shots uh, of the game, took a three uh, early, had another miss inside. I mean, they were giving him wide open threes as long as he wanted it. I mean, they would do that with anybody. They, they basically didn't guard McRoberts when he was in the game. They... um, You know, and I think that's what becomes difficult is, you know, you're really playing... You know, two on five, they would try to double, you know, Juwan at times and make him give the ball up. And he scored through that um, some of the time. And and I thought they did a nice job of getting Roby in foul trouble. And for a team that wasn't very deep in Nebraska, it seemed like that could be a turning point. But, um, you know, this team seems to have, you know, settle for threes in some of these cases where it just isn't, you know, just not, you know, Devontae hits that three. They take two threes, the, the two possessions following it, and then turn the ball over. And, and they just, have no rhythm. I, I don't have the answer because I'm not sure what you do for, you know, a bunch of guys who seem to have very little confidence in themselves to, to really, you know, take shots. And I don't know if it's, they, you know, are at times when they seem to have open shots or could do something, they pass them up. And at other times that are inopportune that they seem to take them. And I don't really, I, I definitely don't have the answer. It's just, it, it's incredibly difficult with, with nobody showing any confidence or, consistent ability to put the ball in the basket at, at that point. And, you know, you're kind of running out of options. I think that's why you saw more of Clifton Moore tonight. You know, Fitzner just struggled again, missed a wide open three. That's a shot he has to make. Missed a, you know, missed a shot in the post on a guy that he's six or seven inches taller than. You, you, you just have to convert those. And if you're not going to do that, 
you know, then, then playing him becomes really difficult, but it, it just becomes hard to figure out how you find five guys to, uh, you, you know, play together. Justin had turnover issues, um, and, and thought he struggled as well, where he's the one guy who you think could kind of play off of what Romeo and Juwan are doing. And he did that on a couple cases and got layups, but, um, that was few and far between. And, and somebody has to step up and be a consistent outside shooter because the teams are just going to pack the paint at this point and dare anybody, uh, quite honestly, to make three pointers and not just to make one, but to make, you know, multiple threes consistently to pull them away from the basket. And nobody has shown the ability to do that. Um, and, and they're just taking two quick shots in, in a lot of these cases. Yep. All right. Coming up, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Nebraska. We'll pick up that topic. We'll also point out tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the ugly statistical notes from this game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips, and we're breaking down Indiana's rather pathetic loss to Nebraska at home, a 15-point defeat at home. Uh, wow, just a just a really bad loss. Um, Ryan, we're going to pick up the topic we were talking about with the offense. You know, meaningful moments you might have missed. You know, all the meaningful moments are really just Indiana playing without much energy and getting bogged down on offense, and none of us really missed them. We had to sit there and, and, and just sit through them. But I thought one play, you know, Kind of sum things up. 64 to 50, two minutes and 53 seconds to go. Justin Smith passes it to Zach McRoberts in the corner. It's a low pass. McRoberts fumbles it, and it just kind of goes out of bounds. And you hear a couple of boos cascade down. And that was just kind of the game. You know, just mistakes, lack of focus, a lack. You know, you hate saying a lack of caring, but like some of the some of the plays tonight look like guys, Ryan, like you said, that either didn't care, just didn't seem like they were having any fun, no energy. I don't know exactly how they you had want to describe no investment. it. They had no investment yeah. or buy into this game whatsoever, and it was really disappointing. And I'll tell you, you contrast it when it was 57-46. It felt like we had one last gasp. Right when Romeo got that steal, it looked like we had a breakaway. Maybe we can cut it to nine. Maybe the crowd will get into it at that point. And Glenn Watson, from his knees, reaches up and gets a steal. That was an awesome play by a. He senior. wasn't on his knees. He was on his stomach. On his stomach. Like, I mean, and I'm not necessarily saying like Romeo should have seen him. I mean, Watson came out of nowhere. That was like a hashtag Zach McRoberts thing type play by Glenn Watson. Kudos to that guy. That guy has had some good performances at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, and that was a great play. So those are really the only moments I have. Let's go back and talk about the offense, Ryan, and 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 pick up on the issues this team is facing and what, if anything, you know, we see from our vantage points that they can do about it. Here's here's what I'll say about the offense, and, and I'll say this for everybody watching and out there. It can't get worse than it was tonight. You know how I know that? Because if it does, we're screwed. And this team cannot be screwed. I, I just think this is as bad as it's going to get. This has to be the bottom. Maybe they'll lose other games, but they won't lose this way. This was pathetic. And what happened was, and people, I see a lot of people going, what is Archie's system? What is this? Well, here's the problem. Almost every basketball system these days is built on the drive. You drive and kick. You drive and look for the post. You drive. You, get, you screen and roll. Like, whatever. It's based on dribble drive towards the hoop, getting north and south. You'll hear guys say that all the time, north and south, north and south, north and south. There are dribble handoffs, but the whole purpose of the dribble handoff is to create creases that you can drive to the hoop with. The problem for Indiana is that they, the Hoosiers do not have any outside shooters, and they don't have anyone who is a threat to hit from the outside. So what are defenses doing? They know Indiana wants to drive. 
they're just sagging in and sagging in and saying, you saw how far off of Justin Smith they were playing tonight. It's not because they don't think Justin Smith's a good player. It's because they know he doesn't have confidence to knock down outside shots. And by the way, Justin Smith can hit outside shots. He just has no confidence to do it right now. And you see it when he does. He missed two tonight. Both of them were really bad misses. Evan Fitzner is the only guy they seem to play out on the perimeter at all, and they still give him some room. Romeo Lankford, they are daring him to shoot threes because they'd rather have him stand out there and shoot threes than be driving where he's way more efficient. Uh, even Juwan Morgan, again, they'd rather have him. He's, he's a decent three-point shooter. They'd rather have him out there than with his back to a guy on the block. Uh, so that's the problem right there. They can play 10 feet off of Zach McRoberts, and I'm sorry, love Zach. He's not going to shoot. He's afraid to shoot. Uh, he he absolutely, he's a shell of himself, an absolute abs- shell of himself. Well, look, offensively, this is what we got from J- Zach last year, too. No, he looked I mean, at the basket. He shot 39% from downtown. He's he even worse than that. Ever, right. Ever, and he's less shot. than that, is my point. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. It, it, but he was a mild a threat last year. He's no not threat even, right now. That's my point. Even. No, but uh, defensively, he's certainly a shell of himself. And he had some nice plays tonight, but then he also had some terrible plays. Um yeah. So that's what's happening with Indiana's offense. You cannot run your offense when there's no balance. And, and it doesn't matter. You know, you hear a lot about floor spacing, floor spacing, floor spacing. The point of having the floor space is to open things up for driving lanes. And it, you can't, it doesn't matter how spaced you are if nobody respects your outside shooting. And right now, nobody respects Indiana's outside shooting. And I don't know if this is just guys getting caused. I know we don't have a, like great knockdown shooters. We just don't have that. And next year, we're going to get some guys, it seems like, who are decent but not knockdown guys. Rob Finnessy has to become a knockdown shooter because nobody is going to do anything but guard against the drive against him. Uh, he has to become a guy who can knock down 40 to 45% of his threes. Somewhere in the 42% range would be perfect. Um, a guy like Zach McRoberts, you really hoped, would become a good shooter this year. He hasn't. Justin Smith has to work on it. We've known that for a while. But these guys have to start hitting some shots. And, and they don't have to be, again, this team doesn't have to shoot 38% or whatever from three to be good. It just, the threat just has to be real. But and the crazy Nebraska, thing is we're 76 in the country in three point shooting, even better how, than last year. I, but and, and I agree with you completely, but what I'm saying is it's ironic because the percentages have actually been better, but the respect isn't there at all. But also they're not shooting and they're not shooting. Very yeah, many. That, that's Tonight true. They, that's they had true. 14 and they were down double digits. I mean, you know, there is something like, Romeo was 04 and he forced a couple late. Like, you know, I mean, it, the guys just aren't shooting. And, no, and that's, that's true. fine. If you're bad at it, you don't want to take those shots. But there's a reason nobody respects it because they know you're not going to take it. It's yeah. it It's not even that you're bad. It's that you're not going to take it. And then you're going to force yourself to pass around the perimeter or drive into a crowd and give Tim Miles credit. Yeah, whether I like him or not, give Tim Miles credit. He had a great defensive game plan. Sag off the shooters, run a little one-three-one to make sure that nobody gets into the heart of the paint. Uh, it's the perfect defense against Indiana, I think, because what you want is to get you on Morgan at the high post in that situation, let him pass. They prevented us from doing that. I mean, give Nebraska credit; they they played very well tonight. They came out on fire, and and they also came out with a plan to beat Indiana. And it's the perfect plan to beat Indiana. You take away, you make, you force everybody else to try and do something they don't want to do, and you make them uncomfortable. It's exactly what they did, and Indiana looked like garbage. Andy, Megan I mean, in the chat mob has requested that you yell. Well, I, I yelled a little bit during the game at home, so I, I've gotten it out of my system. Also yelled a lot during the end of the Eagles game yesterday, so I'm just dead inside. At this point, I can't do it. Um, no, I mean, guys other than other than Romeo and Juwan were 6 of 23 from the floor, 26%, and that's with the 2-for-2 two two from Clifton Moore. 
So everybody besides him shot 19%, four of 21. I mean, you just, no matter how good those two guys are, you, you just can't survive that way versus, you know, you kind of look across. I'm not sure you would say anybody on Maryland or not Maryland, Nebraska um, is, is better than Romeo or, or Juwan. Although all the things that, you know, James Palmer Jr. does are, are pretty impressive, but you know, they've got four guys in double figures and five guys with at least nine points. And whenever, you know, if it was, you know, it was Palmer a little bit at times in the first half, Watson went nuts in the, uh, in the second half, Copeland had a really good first half. Allen was a guy who could just sit there and, you know, knock down a couple threes and some of the shots Nebraska hit were tough. Um, but, they were guys that were shooting difficult shots with confidence and IU shooting wide open shots with zero confidence. And, um, yeah. you know, certainly the way Nebraska played them, uh, you know, certainly suggested they didn't have confidence that IU shooters could knock it down. And I thought the one, three, one was a good move. IU looked really discombobulated against that, turned the ball just over tentative. a handful of times yeah. and just kind of didn't, didn't really know what to do. Didn't move the ball, um, fast enough. And I wish I had marked down here when they went to that in the first half, but there was a sequence where IU had, you know, four turnovers and seven possessions. I think it, you know, Justin turned it over. Al turned it over. Um, you know, Justin again, McRoberts had one. Just, you know, again, it was, I don't think I, you had a ton of turnovers in the first half, but you got four in a, in a pretty key sequence after you've already fallen behind. It was really, um, that was right after that stretch where, you know, they kind of came out of the timeout. Juwan hit a three, Romeo, you know, drove and they got five points and kind of felt like maybe, maybe they can get back in it. And then they went like 10 possessions without scoring. <laughs> Um, you know, including some of those, those in there where you got, you know, the wrong guys taking shots and, uh, and different things like that. So unfortunately there's not a lot of reason for these guys to have uh, a great deal of confidence right now, which makes it even worse, quite frankly. Um, but it's it, a problem. It's snowballing. For it sure. is. Yeah, no. And, and, it, and there's no reason to believe that other teams aren't going to do the exact same thing. They're going to be really aggressive. Should, I would. On ball screen, show, Romeo, yeah. and and make somebody else beat him, and not just for you know five minutes, but for yeah. the entire game. Quite frankly, no, you guys, make, say, you both make good point, and, and Ryan, I just want to make sure. sure I mean, yeah. I I agree with you. I mean, you are right. You know, that's the irony to me is that we have some guys whose percentages are better, and cosmetically it looks better, but when it comes right down to it. A lot of guys just aren't confident stepping up and taking them, and they're whatever their percentages say, they're not a threat, and teams aren't respecting it, and that's well, killing I mean, us. Fitzner's Fitzner's percentage just t t still isn't awful, but he's two of eleven since like yeah, and he got he got three good looks at the basket in the post in the short corner and from three, and he missed them all. And yeah. you know he might be a guy where he needs the confidence of just one to go down and it'll snowball, but he just can't get that one I mean, to yeah. go down. You know, we all remember Nick Zaislav as a knockdown guy, but there were games where he would look awful and. Then you finally see one go in the next game and he would catch on fire. I mean, it happens to shooters, but this is a prolonged slump that he is not digging himself out of. One thing I wanted to mention, and, and Andy was mentioning sort of Nebraska, I did think the defense in the second half was better for Indiana. The problem was Nebraska had about seven possessions in a row where they hit contested shots. And that just had to do with Nebraska being confident. They were confident they were going to make those. And we kind of gave them confidence in the first half. And again, it also had to do with those shots being in rhythm because sure, we weren't stopping sure, sure. cutters. We weren't pressuring the pass. So the pass and the cut was, you know, no, no question. No question. But they were defended shots. Now they were again in rhythm. They were, you know, shots they're comfortable with. The problem is, is that, you know, teams will make like 10 contested shots a game. The problem is they were all grouped together. And then in the first and, and in the first half, you put yourself in a position where if they make those 10 contested shots all in the second half, you're done. I mean, there's no chance. So 
that that's the problem is IU, even if they played defense well, they buried themselves early by letting Nebraska get easy looks. And so in the second half, even if they were playing pretty decent defense, at least man to man, you know, maybe not with, uh, you know, spacing right and, and, and rolling to cutters and all that stuff, even if they played good man to man, it didn't matter because Nebraska had the confidence to knock down shots. So uh, kudos to them. They knocked down some pretty tough shots in the second half and it just continued to bear. It stunted any momentum Indiana had any chance of because Indiana would get a stop, play good defense and still give up points. Yeah. They, they, the, the they played like a veteran team tonight. They, Nebraska they really did. They, they looked, you know, like a mature team and we looked like a very immature team, which in a lot of ways we are still an immature program under a new is, coach it, and a, team. And we look IU like it is tonight. a young team. You just expect more from them because their youth is better. You know, I mean, Lankford is great. Finnessy is, you know, not your typical freshman. I know he's been out and I know he's struggling to get back and that that's fine. I understand that. But then guys like Justin Smith, he's only a sophomore who was a reserve last year, but you, we expect more of him, you know, and Devontae and the Green, emotional leader of this team is the senior Juwan Morgan, who just didn't lead yeah, with was, emotion tonight. I th- he was, this was, he was the flat. worst game. I think this is the worst game Juwan's had all season. It was, yeah, yeah. it wasn't. And he wound up with good. 17 and eight, but, but statistics don't matter in a game like this to me at all. No. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing I'll tell you about the defense, I mean, if you look at it over the course of the game, points per possession, I mean, Nebraska had 66 points on 65 possession, possession. So it wasn't like they were, it felt like it at times. They had these huge stretches where they just made a lot of shots in a they row. Missed about that's five not five layups, too. Well, that's also, yeah, and they, had dry, they, had, they had some dry spells. Long but in the, yeah, but in the end, like you, you would going into the game, regardless of kind of how some of the runs played out, like you'd feel fairly good about a team with, you know, the, some of the offensive weapons that they have giving up that yeah. number of points. It was just, I use offense was that anemic and to, to go back just to, I don't know that I missed this moment, you know, just, not that anyone wants to relive really any part of this game, but yeah, can we just pass on this? Whatever you're going to say? <laughs> well, I, well, no, we might as well not. Um, Let's all suffer together. Um, so, I <laughs> yeah, mean, if you, if you look at the end of the, you know, end of the first half, IU had really made a run and they had cut the lead to, I'm not sure what it was when Romeo made, uh, he made a driving, a driving shot. At any rate, IU had really held Nebraska in check. Then they scored five points on the last two possessions of the half, pushed yep. the lead back up to seven or nine or whatever it was at halftime. It was nine. And, and if you... And it's ultimately part of the problem of, you know, people want to play Clifton more. And I thought he played well. He played with energy, the kinds of things that, you know, no different than what he did against Penn State, quite honestly. Came in, played with a lot of energy, made some nice plays, made mistakes defensively. He sagged too far off of Copeland, gave him a wide open three. He nails it. And then they bring Fitzner in, I guess, for defense so that Juwan wouldn't get his third foul. And I think yeah. they took more out. And Fitzner doesn't get out to, you know, kind of close off the drive on a on a ball screen, plays it poorly, gives up a dunk going in and it's Andy like he fouled the guy and they didn't call it that's also true um so so you just look at you know those couple plays where you had a little bit of momentum and it was kind of the same every time iu got momentum they couldn't get a stop because they had a defensive breakdown or nebraska hit a shot and when you look at these comments and questions on like why don't these guys play i mean those are reasons that those guys don't get more minutes let alone what they're doing offensively like they're not able to do what they're being asked to do on the defensive end now the problem is there's nobody else to turn to. And so you end up at the end of the game where Romeo had really shot free throws better. And, you know, he's guarding James Palmer the entire second half and having to shoulder a lot of the load offensively. And then he's, you know, leaving free throws short at the end of the game, which would not have made any difference in this game whatsoever. Um, but the burden that's being placed on those two guys who, again, I agree with you, Ryan, they are not free from, uh, you know, blame or those kinds of things over the course of the game and the effort and the way that they played. 
they're just getting beaten down and you know completely out of gas by the end of the game now the flip side of that is nebraska played five guys in the second half of their last game and um you know they really rely so heavily on those guys and uh i get that some people can get by that way but uh yeah it, it's just a, a struggle in those situations to try to figure out with between the injuries and the way that the other guys are playing there's just not a lot of alternatives for other other things to try and other other guys to turn to unfortunately are there any other numbers that we want to hit in this one? I mean, Indiana with only seven assists, two of 14 from downtown, 11 of 19 from the free throw line, 13 turnovers. I mean, we did have six blocks and nine steals. Those are good numbers. So, I mean, they were we, shooting did, well. we did have they some activity well. defensively at times. They were shooting really well from the free throw line until late, and it looked like Romeo was exhausted on his last couple trips to the line. His legs weren't in the shots. So, I think yeah. like three of his last seven or something like that. Yeah, rebounding was an issue again. 11 offensive rebounds, gave up 12 second chance points. Um, Got nine offensive rebounds, which shocks the hell out of me because I don't remember any of them. Um, I mean, here, here, here's the number. Here's the number I will say. In, in their four road games this year, we'll close this segment with this. In their four road games this year, okay, Nebraska is one and three on the road. They have not played well on the road. The, the fewest points per possession they've given up is 1.1 points per possession. In three other games, they've given up 1.2 points possession or more. So they've been particularly bad defensively. Tonight, Indiana scores 0.81 points per possession. So, you know, obviously, yes, credit to Tim Miles, credit to Nebraska for a good game plan and executing it really well. I mean, they dialed up exactly what, you know, what we would have said was kind of kryptonite for this team. And then, obviously, you know, we just kind of shake our heads at Indiana because they, yeah, it was. It was a combination. And Indiana did not come out with the determination that they needed to overcome what Nebraska was throwing at them. So yeah. uh, I think we should mention this before we go to break because uh, we didn't mention it off the top. Uh, somebody I was uh, was it Matt Miller was reporting that uh, on the coach's pregame show or something. Uh, Jerome said it during his interview with Fish that he's redshirting. I don't know if he was supposed to say it, but he said it, which yeah well, makes, makes official sense. what I mean, we've all pretty much known. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, if the player wants to say it, he's more than yeah. Like, because it's always they they protect that information about like injuries and all that and what their plans are. But if the player says it, who cares? Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, so he's redshirting this year. So I guess questions about him now in the past until next year. Yes. All righty. Uh, coming up here on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's all systems breakdown against Nebraska. We'll talk more about Clifton Moore, talk about the bench and whatever other topics we haven't hit yet. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, win or lose, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed, and it will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we are picking up the pieces from Indiana's 66-51 to loss to Nebraska. Um, a couple of individuals that I want to talk about. Um, let's start with Clifton Moore, Andy. You talked about him some last segment. Uh, he was the only Hoosier with a positive plus-minus at four. Uh, he only played five minutes. And, you know, he was two of two from the field. He had five points. He had that nice offensive rebound put back. Really had a nice drive to the bucket after Zach McRoberts got a great steal along the sideline uh, and scored. He missed the free throw. Um, you know, but you compared it to the Penn State game. And I agree with you. It was very similar to the Penn State game. Made some energy plays, really provided an energy boost when Indiana needed it. 
but we saw some of the defensive breakdowns that keep him off the court. After that game, you know, I said, okay, you know, Clifton showed us kind of why he's not playing. And at that point, you know, Indiana had a more healthy team. Tonight, I thought he earned more minutes. And I thought in a game where energy was such a big thing, like, yeah, he's going to give up some on defense, but he was at least out there creating some action offensively, getting offensive rebounds, making some things happen. Maybe with a longer sample size of minutes, that doesn't happen. But I thought tonight it was a mistake to not at least get him out there a little bit more because at least he was a guy who seemed, you know, Ryan, you talked about how guys didn't, you know, didn't seem like they had investment in the game, weren't really into it. He seemed enthusiastic about his minutes out there. And I'll be interested to see if Archie says anything about it after the game. I have not been a guy who's been clamoring for Clifton more minutes. I think he's still, you know, pretty, you know, needs to go further along in his development curve. But I thought tonight the energy that he brought, we could have used it for five more minutes. And I would have liked to see him get more time. I don't think it changes the result by any means. But I thought at a minimum, he should have been rewarded for that energy. And I just thought he would have brought more to the table than he would have taken off on a night when that was such a big issue. And maybe that's small potatoes, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, here's here's something to look at. And I'm just this is the box score I'm looking at. I don't know if it's official or not, but Morgan, 31 minutes. Justin Smith, 36 minutes. Devontae Green, 32 minutes. Romeo Lank for 38 minutes. You cannot have four guys playing that much time and expect them to be fresh and healthy every time they're on the floor. Especially, Especially when they, they look that flat. Yeah, I mean, it, it. maybe that's why. Maybe these guys legit are tired and they need to hit a second win on the season. I, I like That would not surprise me, and that's not something you can really prevent. It happens. These are kids. They're not prof- trained professionals who have been doing this for 10 years. Um, they are still kids. And Rob Finnessy had 27 minutes tonight, which is probably more than they wanted to go for, with from him, but Al Durham went out, so they really had no option but to go with Rob. Uh I, I agree. I would like to see more of, of, of Clifton Moore. Deron Davis only got three minutes tonight. He didn't look you know, right again. He didn't look right again. And uh, so Clifton Moore and Evan Fisner combined had 10 minutes. Uh, I, I really think you need to put Clifton out there. Uh, I thought he played with energy. I thought he played well. I realize he's not prepared to go for long stretches. But you know what? Necessity is the mother of invention. It's the mother of getting guys into the game. And there is a nece- there's a need right now for a guy like him at least he's got some energy and and it would be a different look and something different to do. It would also allow Jawan Morgan to come away from the basket if you're not able to get the post-entry feeds. Um, or you could put Clifton in pick-and-roll situations. One thing I've noticed over the last few games is the guards aren't looking for the roll man as much as they were early in the season. Early in the season, that pocket pass on the inside was wide open. And it still has been, but they're not making it. And maybe it's they don't want to risk turning the ball over and they think, oh, well, we'll just keep running the offense and we'll get back to something and we'll get something else later in the possession. Didn't Archie tell Devontae that he'd missed that three times with a one of the times? Yeah. yeah. And, and look, I, I think that watching the game, I know exactly the three plays he was talking about because I noticed it too. Two of them, I think they would have been forces. One of them was wide open. Two of them, I think maybe from Archie's angle, he thought that he was open. I don't, I, that given Devontae's history of turnovers, uh, he only had one tonight, but given his history of turnovers, I maybe would have pulled back on those two. I, I would have trusted Rob Finnessy to make that pass, but I got what he was doing. But at the same time, you've got to look to that or else they don't even defend it. They could just uh, overhelp and almost double off the screen instead of rolling back quickly. And that's how Morgan's going to get a lot of his points. If you can't throw the pocket pass, throw it up to him. I mean, he's athletic enough to go get the ball. You don't have to throw an alley-oop, just go over the top and you're just not seeing them do that like they were early in the year. I mean, that worked like a charm against Butler all night. Butler's a good defensive team, you know, as at least a sound defensive team. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't 
I don't know what's going on there, but they've got to start looking for that more often. They've got to start just being more aggressive offensively. When Romeo's aggressive, when Jawan's aggressive, when Finnessy and and Green are aggressive with their passes, typically it, the offense moves better than it is right now. And again, there's traffic. Everybody's going to pack the paint against this team. There's traffic. It's hard to make passes in there. That leads to more turnovers. It leads to offensive fouls because you're going into a group of you know like 12 guys waiting for you. It seems like. Um, but you know, they've got to figure something out. And, and, and Archie's a smart basketball mind. People will say he's not a good offensive coach or whatever. They, they don't know the guy. He's a smart basketball mind. I'm reading different on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. He's an incredibly smart guy. You talk to anybody who knows Archie Miller, like, yeah, no, he's brilliant. It wasn't Mark Titus said that, that he's the, the best offensive, uh, the best transition offense coach he's ever worked with. We're not getting transition points. It doesn't mean Archie's an idiot when it comes to transition offense. It means that whatever's going on is not fitting with this team and he needs to alter it. So thank you. You're welcome, Archie. But no, there's plenty to criticize Archie about. I just think calling him a dumb basketball coach is so simplistic and moronic. Uh, it, I do blame him and the coaches as part of the reason these guys come out flat. I blame the coaches for, you know, making certain switches they make at certain times and pulling certain guys out and all that stuff. But at the same time, we know this guy's a good basketball coach and, and things aren't going right right now. So he's an easy target, but there's plenty of blame to go around within this program right now. Yeah. With, with Clifton, I kind of look back through the substitution log on here. I mean, basically Justin and, and, um, and Juwan played both played the last 1147. They both checked back in at that point, played the last you know, 12 minutes of the game. We were trying to come back. I mean, it's just a lot to, to ask. I think, you know, I think as you look at Clifton, there's a couple things that are at, at the very least intriguing. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that he he's playing well defensively because he goes over to challenge shots that he has no chance of blocking and gave up an offensive rebound at at one point in the in the um, I think it was the second half when he was in. But you know, he he is a guy who, albeit in limited minutes, has a pretty good offensive rebounding rate. And for a team that struggles to score, you're going to have to try to find a way to make easy baskets. And maybe that's one way that he can do it. Because that's not something that Fitzner has given. I think his offensive rebounding rate is like four percent on the season. And if he's not going to make shots, he he struggles defensively just as much as uh, you know, just as much as Clifton is going to. It just becomes hard to justify, yeah. you know, giving him minutes at this point for a guy who's not going to be here next year. Um, and so I think you look at that. I think Clifton has played at least with enough energy um, to earn some more minutes and be one of those guys, especially because Duran, I think, just needs to rest at this point. He's not looking any better than, than he did before. And against a team that, again, a, a little bit similar uh, to Maryland, has really mobile big guys. It's a terrible matchup for him, even probably at full strength and full, uh, you know, kind of range of movement. And so, um, you know, that that's not ideal for him. But you got to find a way to be able to play some other guys because you can't expect these guys to play, you know, 12 minutes going to the end of the game and, and trying to, uh, you know, trying to navigate that. And, you know, I know Archie, some of Archie's comments after the game was, you know, trying to figure out, you know, why they're so emotionless and um, really talked about, you know, similar things that we mentioned, just disappointed in, in kind of the fight uh, that he saw because he thought, you know, said that was one thing that over the course of the season hasn't really felt like effort has been uh, an issue, but, but definitely, you know, kind of saw what we saw and what everybody uh, would point to from the game tonight. Yeah, and you know, to be clear, I don't think that Clifton should get all of Fitzner's minutes. Like, I don't think we can give up on Evan. And I, I will say, I actually I liked that when Evan got in there, he was only in there for four minutes, but they ran some things, you know, where he was involved and got some opportunities. I think we're going to need him. Like, we can't afford to give up on a guy who's a known forty percent shooter. We've got to 
rebuild his confidence. Now, if he comes in, misses three shots, and isn't giving you much, then maybe he only plays four minutes that night. And I think that kind of night was tonight. I still feel, and people can call me crazy, I still feel like, you know, one of those nights that first shot is going to go in and he'll be able to hit three or four of them, you know, and he's just got to get that confidence. So I appreciate that they did that and went to him and that when it wasn't working, they went in another direction. Um, the other guy that I want to talk about is Rob Finnessy, who is back and it's so great that he's back and just having him out there helps this team because he can, you know, take on 27 minutes and, and you know, and that was especially needed tonight because Al Durham gets hurt and only plays six minutes. So you needed a guy to take those minutes. But... I assume that you'll agree, you know, Ryan, right now Rob looks like a shell of himself. He's not looking at the basket at all. He just, you know, he doesn't quite seem in rhythm. And part of that is, you know, the changing defenses Nebraska was playing. So I think we're just going to have to be patient with him. He was on a great trajectory before he got hurt. Archie's talked about how he is a guy who improves from film session to film session, practice to practice. Him getting back and kind of getting in the flow is going to really help this team offensively. And being a guy who's confident again looking for a shot because right now he's not. That's something, if he stays healthy, I think he's earned enough trust in his short time with us that we feel like he's going to be a really solid piece. That's going to be essential. And even though he's out there, this isn't the guy he was when he got injured. We're just going to no, have to be patient not. with that. And it's going to be it's going to take time for him to be back. I mean, quite frankly, just to get the reps and the game reps. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you practice. You need game reps uh, to get back. And that's what I say about Clifton Moore. I mean, you know, Andy mentioned that he overplayed on a trying to block a shot, give up an offensive rebound. You know, that kind of stuff gets better the more you play. You you recognize situations a little better. You recognize game flow. You recognize where you're supposed to be. I mean, because a lot of times when you get in there for the first time, you're acting on instinct and maybe kind of not thinking things through as much. And he's got to, you're right, recognize when he can't block a shot and needs to get back and, and you know, be on the weak side rebound. So, but with fantasy, it's the same thing. He just needs game reps. Uh, he's a guy who was starting to really knock down some threes uh, some key threes for this team. And I think that he can be a guy that can help spread the floor, especially with as much as he drives. That really will help to have somebody come out and and challenge him on the perimeter. It'll open up lanes for him and for a guy like Romeo to drive. Those two guys need to start knocking down outside shots for this team to really have a chance to to sort of move uh, as, as the season goes along. Andy, thoughts on Rob? Yeah, I thought he had, you know, a couple times really showed a willingness to try to take the ball to the basket, which is, I guess, not necessarily what you might expect from a guy coming off of a concussion. I, I think that was all in the first half. He really seemed fairly unaggressive um, in the second half. And again, you know, maybe he can be a guy. He's he's obviously hit some big threes over the course of the season. You know, maybe he can become the guy that's a, you know, kind of catch and shoot um, guy. I'd be kind of curious. Maybe we can talk about this on the radio show on Thursday, but to kind of look at some of the catch and shoot. Um, three point numbers from from this team against different competition, but I, you know maybe he can be that guy. I don't really know, but he's got a, you know he felt like the guy who could be that third scorer um, that this team is just dying to to find uh, with any consistency. So um, good to see him back out there, and and certainly as you guys said was important with with Al being out. But it's just a a really uh, limited limited group. You know we had basically six guys play over the last that eleven forty seven. McRoberts was the only sub that was used. Uh, during that stretch and you've just got you know you, you just there's some of these guys that you struggle to play together because they're you can't can't play that many guys that aren't looking at the basket at some point but uh at another point those are the only guys that you have so it's it's hard to uh hard to kind of figure out what to do so but yeah he definitely looks like he's still trying to work his way back i think that's what you'd expect i think they probably had to 
you know, escalate his minutes a little bit quicker than they would have expected to. But uh, at least you got, you know, few, another few days here in between for the next game, give him a chance to get his conditioning back up and uh, things like that during what will be a, a, a big game for him going back to Lafayette. Some interesting tweets here from Brian Snow. Let's pick those up in the next segment. What do you say? Maybe in lieu of a, of a game ball, we'll do tweets from Brian Snow. Yeah, I saw, I saw, I saw those as well. It was an interesting exchange. So it's I agree interesting. With you. Let's, I'll, I'll read those. I do Let's feel like we're those. obligated to uh, give out a game ball to someone. Really, uh, one of two guys, obviously. All right. Well, um, let's we'll quickly so, give out a game ball. We'll spin the wheel and see who gets it between <laughs> yes. Romeo and Juwan. Yes, we will. Okay. So coming up in our final segment here, spin the wheel for the game ball, and then we'll read some tweets from Brian Snow and see if he's making excuses or if he's being reasonable. We'll talk about all of that plus last call. That's coming up in the final segment of Snow Call. Let's stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We're wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's really, really disappointing loss to Nebraska. Uh, the Hoosiers now three and three in conference, twelve and five overall. Uh, and gentlemen, uh, let's quickly uh, issue some game balls here, since we are contractually obligated to do so. Not a whole lot to choose from, uh, Andy. So why don't you go first? I mean, you kind of have to give it to Romeo or Jawan, don't you? Just by default, because they did the uh, most. Yes, I would argue that is true. Uh, I, I'll say Juwan, he was uh, more efficient from a shooting perspective. It was 8 of 15, um, led the team with 8 rebounds, including 5 on the offensive end, had 3 blocks and a steal. So I will uh, I will go with Juwan. Boy, it's hard. I mean, because they neither one of them came out and set a good tone. And when Indiana did have their spurts, you know, one was because Romeo kind of got going in transition. Juwan did have a couple of segments in the second half where he really seemed to be battling hard, but they were inconsistent. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. Juwan only had one turnover compared to four for Romeo. I don't know. Maybe you just give it to Clifton Moore for playing with energy and scoring five points. Who knows? I'll stick I mean, with Juwan. I thought about that. No. All right, I'm going to go with Romeo just so Ryan has to break the tie. Damn it. <laughs> I said I'm going to go with either one of those guys. Well, then, okay, then we'll turn it to the chat mob, and the chat mob can stop uh, yelling at each other, and they can uh, try to come to some kind of consensus A lot here. of passing the buck right here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I don't want to give it to either to either Juwan or Romeo. I wanna give, I'll, I'll give it to Rob Finnessy for playing 27 minutes in, in a pinch. Okay. Uh, I thought he played pretty well on both ends. He, you know, I mean, for a guy coming back from – uh, a concussion. I, I thought he played. I played. Thought he played well. I mean, he wasn't going to do a whole lot, but he played within himself. Played solid, handling the ball. Only turned the ball over once, and he definitely wasn't expected to go 27 minutes, but he did. So I'm giving it to Rob Finnessy. You guys decide the rest. I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but uh, in the chat, Jason Kennedy just tweeted hashtag Steve Alford for Duke. How bad is that Duke game going against Syracuse? <laughs> um, okay. So 91. I'm turning lost, this over yeah, to the chat mob. Syracuse, 95-91 in overtime. Uh, Kent or Chad or somebody, will you tally up the responses? Uh, and whoever the chat mob deems the game ball is getting it, uh, no matter who they say. Okay, so let's get to these tweets real quick from Brian Snow, because this is probably the most... Yeah, I couldn't find him. Well, this is probably the, the most constructive conversation we can have. So Snow tweeted... Uh, he Snow writes for something like that. Don't worry, Ryan. Yeah. No, he, I see him. I just he, he <laughs> writes for he writes for twenty four seven Sports. Does a really good job. A good recruiting analyst. He said, "I don't think IU fans understood how big of a roster rebuild there really was, and how tied things were 
Judah coming in with 16 dudes on scholarship and on campus signs. And he got into a, you know, a discussion with Kent Sterling, very, very oh, good yes. friend of the show, uh, Kent Sterling. Um, you know, he said, this is Archie Miller's team. He's accountable for whatever the hell that was tonight. And there are certainly elements of truth in that. Brian did not disagree with that. You know, basically said, yes, he's accountable for losing to a team uh, that is more talented than the one that he coaches, um, but he is still accountable for that. So he went on to say uh, their lack of great talent is the reason their execution isn't very good. You know, Kent had another comment, and then Snow said, whispers, this IU team is 12-5, and five, so clearly they have been winning, just not winning consistently against teams with gasp better players. And I, I, I think this is an interesting point for this reason, Ryan. You know, Romeo commits, and, and we all got very excited about that, and we love talking ourselves into how good this team can be. And you do have two just outstanding, you know, all-conference-level players in Romeo and Juwan, but the reality of the roster is still that you, you know, you have a couple of three-star guys at guards that we like and that play hard, you know, but they are they are limited in the amount of things they can do. You have a walk-on who's playing a lot of minutes in Zach McRoberts. You know, you have, you know, a guy who graduate transferred after playing, you know, 35% of the minutes at St. Mary's. There are this is not I think what people need to just slow down with a little bit is judging Archie Miller fully on what you see in a game like tonight. You know, you've got to give him time to build this roster in his image, to restock it, not just with more talented players, but players who fit what he wants to do as well. And there's no way to say that, I suppose, without knocking the current players. And, you know, we hate to do that because we love and adore all of these guys because they're Hoosiers and we'll cheer for them till the end. But there is another level of talent Indiana's going to have to get to for you to be able to hold the team to the standard that I think fans want to hold them to right now. Well, it's not excusing the bad effort tonight. So they're right. two separate things. But as tonight devolves into this existential crisis, I just think it's important to point that out and to remember that the track is still good. Well, let's also remember the team is 12 and 5. And yes, this is a basketball game. I mean, let's let's. Let's back away from the existential crisis talk. Uh, no, I'm talking about within. No, I, know, within I, know, the... I, I know you are. I'm talking about in general because people think it's life or death when Indiana loses a basketball game, which is great because we have dedicated fans, but it's also it's hard to take. Y'all are drama queens sometimes. Let's be honest. Um, but let's remember his first recruiting class was Justin Smith, Al Durham and Clifton Moore. And those are the guys who were already recruited by the previous staff because guess what? pretty much all of the top talent signs early in, in college basketball. There's uh, some guys who sign later, but it's, it's, it's getting more popular, but it's still pretty rare. Guys lock in in the fall and it's over. So he had to just keep his recruiting class together. So you can say that's his recruiting class. It really isn't. Race Thompson came in a year early, but the whole plan was for him to redshirt and get ready. So he's part of that recruiting class technically, but really he's part of this year's freshman class. Let's be honest, because he reclassified anyway. So this year's freshman class, the top four guys in that class were Romeo Lankford, Rob Finnessy, and we both, I think we all agree we like the way those guys have played when they've been out there, when Rob's been out there healthy. We like the way those guys have played. Um, Race Thompson was the other big guy in that group, and Jerome Hunter. Both Race and Jerome are out. So he was expecting to have five guys this year, really, in this class that could play and contribute a lot. Two of the... the Two of the top four are out indefinitely. Uh, we know Jerome's going to be gone for the season, uh, and we know races may not be back. We don't know. So this roster is still full of players that are not his, and he's having to use players who are not his. Now, 
Juwan Morgan's great. I think any coach would want him. Uh, Justin Smith, really good player, inconsistent, not as great offensively, didn't take the leap as we thought, but I think very talented guy I think you can build with. Devontae Green, not Archie's player. Uh, so I think that you, we, we do have to kind of step back and realize that. You've got to give a guy a chance to build a program. And I've said from the beginning, I think next year's team is going to be better than this year's team for a million reasons, but I think it's just not going to be as dependent on those two players. Then that was the problem, you know, that we've run into that problem several times where only those two players, Jawan and Romeo, are doing anything on the floor. Um, so I just think that Archie's teams, if you look at his teams in Dayton, their best seasons were when they had a balanced group of players who were all contributing as opposed to having a star or two. Um, now, again, he's never dealt with this much talent before, so it'll be interesting to see moving forward how he does it. And I mean, we're all kind of hoping that unfolds that, that it looks like those Dayton teams did where everybody contributes, but it's a process and you cannot quit on a guy. I mean, we've seen this over and over and over again. The, 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 the programs that are patient. And I think a, a program like Villanova or Gonzaga or, you know, Wisconsin are the, uh, are the ones that you kind of want to build towards where they're consistently good. That takes time. And and we've seen Villanova, Jay Wright almost got fired like three or four years into his tenure there. They stuck with him and look what he's built. That's arguably the top program over the last five years in college basketball. So um, I just think that you have to stick with it and you have to let him bring in his players and, and pick and choose the guys that he wants to have on the roster. I take issue with you turning to IU fans and saying y'all are drama queens. You remove yourself from us when it suits you. And I don't appreciate that. And people but are I'm calling you out in the chat for it. But I am not a drama queen. I do not overreact. Well, I have proven that with a track record on this show that I am the voice of reason most times. However, oh there are people there are people goodness. calling out your I Chargers, time, your Chargers overreactions. I believe someone said Ryan High Maintenance Phillips calling us all drama queens. I'm just saying oh, I'm high you, you have said some insulting things about IU fans in recent weeks. And you had that one time when you teased some like big tidbit and then didn't come through you're gonna to have to make yourself right with assembly call fans I because the relationship is fracturing people I have are not insulted iu fans what i have said time and again is there is a portion of this fan base that overreacts to everything and it's ridiculous guys it's just a basketball game we all want iu to win they're not going to win every game, and they're going to have stinkers like this, regardless of who's the coach and who the players okay, are. Okay, you're just being condescending, Andy. You're right, I ahead. am. Okay, but I, there's no I, need for that. That nah, was that you went too far there. I'm far. joking with people. Relax, Morris. It's not a good night for joking. No, you need to be right, serious. You're right, it's not. I'm <laughs> furious, and I'm lashing out. There you go. That's more like it. I don't know. What are you even kicking it to me for? I'm not even sure. <laughs> what, are you, um, what are you looking for? <laughs> You mean to try to pander to people. You know like what? Kind of that was, back in after that. that. That's what we should name this episode. What are you even kicking it to me for? Because sometimes when Indiana makes a pass, that's what the guy catching the pass yeah. seems like. What, do you want me to do? what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> Indiana fans have a reputation nationally of being ridiculous. He won't they stop, do. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they do. We got to go. Uh, um, right. uh, uh, no, just if you want, <laughs> if you want to respond to the Brian Snow tweets, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting coming coming from him because I think you know he's certainly not uh, he's not anti IU by any means, but it's not somebody that is you know a, a an IU fan. Whereas I think a lot of times when people can make those those comments, it gets deflected as well. You're just you know kind of seeing this through 
you know, crimson colored glasses and, and that kind of thing. So I think it's good to get an objective point of view on that. I think, you know, I still circle back to, you know, tonight it was far less to me about talent than it was about effort for too long, too long of stretches of the game where, yeah, you can, you can argue that, you know, some of the players you didn't, didn't want, didn't have that, you know, whatever I, that to me doesn't, doesn't really excuse some of the effort things tonight. So that, that to me is what's Agreed. concerning. You, you can, you know, go point to guys that are maybe being asked to do things that they're not capable of doing uh, or playing minutes. They're not, you know, capable of excelling in. Um, but that to me doesn't, you know, excuse the, the kind of this little start to the game and really the, the long periods of play that were that way over the course of it. All right. So let's see here. Uh, just quick programming note. We're not going to look ahead to the Purdue game tonight. Uh, we have assembly call radio coming up Thursday. We can do that. We're also going to have a preview of that uh, on podcast on the brink coming up Wednesday. So plenty of content uh, to look ahead to the Purdue game. And then obviously we'll have the Purdue post game show after that. Hopefully it is a lot more uh, uh, pleasant than this one. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and at HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. And on both sites, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, guys, it's time for last call. I can't imagine any of us are going to go very long here. Uh, but Ryan, why don't you... Uh, Give us your final thoughts first. That stunk. That was awful. That's really all I got. Uh, No, I mean, hopefully they bounce back. This team needs to get healthy, and it's clear that these guys are getting dragged down by it. It's, you know, the middle of January, and we still don't know what to make of this team because we haven't seen this team together since the early part of the season. So, I mean, at some point, something's got to change with these injuries. Something's got to change with the way this team is executing. And someone's got to start knocking down some shots or it's going to be a long season. And gosh, we've had so many long seasons doing this show. Can we just have a, a good, fun one? I'd really like that. I think everybody listening would like that as well. Although, you know, you guys kind of like it when there's a loss and you can all yell at each other in the chat. It's kind of cathartic. I, I think we all agree with that. Uh, and I can sort of burn my yelling out here and then go have fun with other people and have these guys hate me. It's, it's great. Um, but no, I, th- I think this team it needs, this team needs a slump buster. It needs a turnaround game where they just come out on fire and tear the walls down. And what better place to do that than against Purdue on Saturday? That is true. By the way, Clifton Moore won the game ball. The chat mob was pretty, pretty close. It wasn't unanimous, but it was pretty close. It was pretty obvious. So um, Andy, uh, last call. I won't give Ryan the satisfaction of hating him, so I won't. Uh, I won't end with that. But, <laughs> it's bubbling beneath the surface. We know it, Andy. You don't. Uh, no, not really. It's it's fine. Um, if we've we've made it this, we've made it through seven seasons. It's if I've managed to stomach you this long, it's 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 going to be fine. You deserve a Nobel for that. Andy. You just you just keep trying. All right. Anyway, um, I think at this point, there's there's certainly nothing else to say about this game, but. Uh, it's definitely, you know, for the next five on the road, it's time to put up or shut up and and put the excuses away at this point. I mean, the injuries have been there, but it, it can't be, it can't continue to be a crutch to kind of fall back on. It, you know, you've seen other times when guys have, you know, Archie Miller has had a team like this, quite honestly, at Dayton, a team that wasn't necessarily all injuries. I forget all the circumstances behind 
having to play with a really short bench. But sometimes those kinds of groups can really band together and and figure out a way to make it work. And this team has to do it um, because, you know, throw out whatever cliche you want about your back being against the wall. Um, you know, you've lost three straight and got four of the next five on the road. I don't care who they're against. You, one of them is at Rutgers who beat Ohio State. The home game is against Michigan who still hasn't lost. So, um, you know, none of these games are going to be easy. But if you want to be able to turn things around, doesn't mean you're going to go win all five of these games in a row, although that would be delightful. Um, You've just got to find some way to fight back. And I think over most of the season, um, we've seen a level of fight that wasn't there tonight, but it it sure better show up on Saturday because um, the the kind of lack of energy that was in the building uh, tonight is not going to be there for Purdue in this game because it's one that they really need uh, as well. They have struggled. They have similar issues with trying to figure out who, uh, a supporting cast is, but they managed to go to Wisconsin uh, and win on Friday and they play Rutgers uh, at home on Tuesday. So could easily be coming into this game on a, a two game winning streak and feeling pretty good uh, about themselves. And, uh, and that's always a, a big game and always one that uh, you want to see IU show up with some fire. And, and that's the big thing that I'll be looking for after tonight, because the fire that you expected to see, wanted to see uh, at the beginning of the game was, uh, you know, it was really just a carryover from the, you know, hangover effect from the second half of the Maryland game, it felt like, and, uh, and, and things really snowballed from there. And if you do that uh, on the road against Purdue, things have the potential to snowball even worse than they did tonight. Um, and then, you know, really, I think the panic sets in. I think you started to see a little bit of that from these guys where you're trying to, you know, make too much happen, you get down, and then, you know, the pressure just mounts and mounts and mounts. Um, and so, got to find a way to, play with who you got and play through it and uh, and hopefully you know you know four five days or now I guess four days uh in between the coaching staff has uh, has a work cut out for him trying to turn around the performance that you saw uh tonight uh by the time Saturday afternoon rolls around my wife just walked into the office and mouthed are you still going and then rolled her eyes unknowingly channeling the entire fan base <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, we're still going. There's lots of important things to talk about after a loss like that. Now, you know, I, I just I want to call out uh, on Twitter Kate Dashwood, who tweeted me in the second half and said, "I'm trying to channel assembly call and stay positive, but bad play is bad play." And I just want to, you know, first off, kudos to you for Kate for trying your best to stay positive. But look, I think it's perfectly okay to you know. <laughs> angrily turn the show off and go to bed a little frustrated and like there's not yeah in the big picture i don't think the sky is falling and you know we talked about you know some of the some of those reasons but this was a really bad performance this was a concerning performance and if this is going to be any kind of trend then this season is going to become not fun very quickly so uh, i'm really interested to see how they play on saturday it you know, kind of feels like all the narratives are in play. You know, Indiana bounces back from the Nebraska loss and grits out a tough win at Purdue, or Indiana goes to West Lafayette and loses by 30 in another listless effort. Who knows? Both seem equally as likely to me. So let's all just take some time, cool off. This was a really bad performance. Hopefully the team bounces back. It does not need to be a performance that defines this team, but it's going to be up to them and what they do over the next few weeks that will determine that. So I know it's hard to find the positives right now. There aren't a lot after a game like this. Uh, We're just going to have to wait for the next performance. Hopefully it's better uh, and there's something legitimate for us to get excited about after that because for these 40 minutes tonight, there was not much, if anything, to get excited about. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. 
You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Thursday night for this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Rocket Pro Insight makes it easy for real estate agents to help clients strengthen their offers with a verified approval, giving you the power to adjust the approval letter amount. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate.